The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It's In This League with Scott Bogman and Chris Welsh. On the radio. 30. I'm on right now. I don't believe you. You boys are live. What's up, friendos? Welcome back. It's hour two of In This League right here on the Sports Grid. Holy crap. You know what's amazing? I just thought of Bogman. This is an amazing thought, and this has happened to us every year. Do you know what it is? Uh, no, I don't. It's not that we have sex drive on our uh, football podcast on Monday, which we've got Andy Barron's who, yeah, you may know him from Yahoo, but more importantly, he is the uh, writer of the movie Sex Drive. Well, technically, he, the book, which was adapted into the movie. Right. That's all that we care about, of course. No, <laughs> it is... Uh, I completely forgot. What was oh, I really? up for? Damn it! You said I forget all the time, and then you forgot it. I mean, you were setting us up oh, to do that. Oh, I got it. Oh, there it is. It's, it's back. back. It's back! I threw water bottle caps everywhere, too, because I got mad, because I went to Andy Barron's, and I forgot is uh this is amazing every year right around this time about a month a little less than a month or so this show gets bumped it would get bumped now and now that i'm thinking about it might still get bumped the reason we would get bumped because of all that college football that was going on not that we were like bumped bumped but you know we would move times we would usually be later because yeah yeah college football well because sports grid would do shows and actually last year bogman was featured doing a lot of the news updates during the uh, during the college day, and now we are facing a real serious question on a college football season if it's going to happen. And you know, this past week we had the Big Ten opt out, we had the Pac-12 opt out. We don't necessarily have the teams in those conferences wanting to opt out. You got the F- SEC that just says, "We good, we good, fam, we're going, we're going to do this." And now there's a whole bunch of questions around what football is going to look like. There's not a whole bunch of time to get it all together. And then on top of it, and this is why I realized as I was talking, it may not be, we still may get bumped is because the NFL is really setting themselves up to want to air games on Saturdays this year. So it's kind of a big marker. Why don't you give us the latest update on what is going on on the college college football front and how it's going to affect, especially fantasy owners. But what, what, what do you see happening and what is happening in college football? Well, the weird thing is, is it changes every single day. So I may not have 
you know, as you're listening to this on, on Saturday, I may not have the most updated information uh, at that point. But uh, as it stands right now, um, most, uh, a lot of schools have been moving all of their fall sports just to the spring. And they postponed or canceled their seasons and have said, we're going to play in the spring. Now, it didn't happen for uh, FBS uh, schools until last week when the MAC was the first conference, the Mid-American, and then uh, the Mountain West uh, said they're moving to the spring also. And we thought, okay, here come all the dominoes. This is how it's going to go. You know, a couple fall off the G5 teams and then the Power 5 teams are uh, are going to all fall off. So uh, the Big Ten uh, postponed their season and that's you know you're losing ohio state michigan iowa you know a, a bunch of uh, minnesota a bunch of great schools uh up there and then the pac-12 uh followed suit and said we're uh not playing either which is oregon usc washington washington state arizona state arizona you know all those west coast schools and with the mountain west canceling you know there's not a lot going on uh, west of Texas, as far as college football goes this year. So, um, you know, that that was a big blow. And we kind of expected to see, OK, everything's going to fall apart and let's go to the spring. But uh, the SEC has kind of acted like the NFL, where they're like, no, we're not canceling. We'll move our season back and we'll change our schedule to conference only, which is real bad for some teams like Arkansas lost their non-conference opponents who picked up like LSU and Alabama instead. So it's like, okay, well, th those are two 40-point losses now on your schedule. Season's going to be miserable for them, you know. And then um, the ACC said the same thing. They changed their schedule. They actually, the ACC adapted a new schedule change for conference only uh, before the MAC canceled, before uh, the Mountain West canceled or, or anything. So they are starting the week of September 26th. The SEC has started as well. And the Big 12 announced Wednesday their new schedule change. And they're going to go, and the ACC is doing this too, um, with a full conference schedule plus one non-conference team. But the non-conference teams have to travel to the Big 12 schools. Okay, so let me ask you something. Look, they're proto. They got to follow their proto. Yeah, they got to follow that proto, brother. Get it together, bud. Um because I'm having a, my brain has a hard time following everything you just said, because it okay. was a long rattle of like, here's the college, here's in this. What I'm trying to process is how does, first, this is the first part, how does a college football season work if you only have three conferences? Let's not assume any teams move here for a second. That's the next question. But it's only the SEC, only the ACC, is only three or four conferences that are playing. How is that a college football season? And is everybody just essentially playing for themselves? It goes to the SEC championship and it's over because there's no big bowls. How does the NCAA manage when you have half of your division? And how does it actually manage itself as a football season outside of it sounding to me just like an independent college football season? That's all it sounds like to me at this point. Right. Well, yeah, that's an excellent question. And I actually asked Nick Allen that same question. Uh, on CFB winning edge this week. And I guess what it is, is the big 12 was kind of the, uh, that was kind of the last marker because as it stands this second, there are six conferences still playing. You know, you have the three uh, power five and the three group of five because two in each canceled. So you have 
I believe that's 87 schools still going. There's a couple. UConn is an independent. They canceled their season. Uh, Notre Dame went into the ACC for a year, which every other sport outside of football plays in the ACC anyway. Uh, and then UMass canceled their season. And Nebraska, or Nebraska, New Mexico uh, State, Liberty, and another couple of uh, independent uh, schools are still kind of weighing their options uh, because they don't know. You know, it's really hard for the independent teams because who the hell are they going to play? If sure. All these okay. it's only, you know, that that's Stur- real hard. But but real quick, the um, the playoff committee has said that the Big Twelve is was kind of the swing here. So if the Big Twelve had opted to go towards the spring, then they would have said we'll do the playoff in the spring. But instead, since the Big Twelve stayed and they have their new schedule, and as it stands this second, they are going to play in the fall we're still going to have the, the four teams go into the playoff out of this uh, group of six conferences. So is there the potential and how is this going to work? Um, really with NCAA doing this with, you know, these conferences that opted out, but the teams that still want to play, if you have team, like if, if, you know, I know Harbaugh wants to play, but Michigan is opting themselves out. If you've got a half of each, you know, pack 12 and big 10 teams want to play, are they just getting a year pass to go create super divisions? I mean, I guess at this point, what I was first worried about was, was college football going to just have to create one big super division without all these different conferences if there was only a couple conferences? Now it sounds like you've got enough conferences. You've got plenty of them. you still got 80 teams that now are they just going to start implanting these Pac-12, whoever, you know, let's say Arizona and ASU, they want to play and probably none of the California teams and let's say like Washington and Washington state want to play. If you're saying these teams, these conferences are all playing inner conferences and they're not going out of conference. Well, how does that work when you're going to just throw new teams into the conference? I'm not fully following and will conferences accept these other ones? I think conferences would accept them. I I think like Nebraska has been the biggest one in this forefront in the big 10. I think the PAC 12, every team uh, voted to not play the season. I had no idea. That doesn't, I mean, the players want to play. So that's a whole other thing, too. But in the, um, what happened for the um, uh, Nebraska and Iowa in the Big Ten, both uh, voted that they wanted to play. Not that they wanted to shut the season down, but it was, uh, you know, whatever, 11 to 2 in favor of moving the season to the spring. And Scott Frost has been, you know, he's the head coach of Nebraska. He's been pretty uh, vocal about wanting Nebraska wants to play. And his quote was, well, we want to play a Big Ten schedule, but if that doesn't pan out, we'll explore all options. So I think that they would love to move into the Big 12 or the SEC or the ACC for a year, but there's too much going on with TV contracts for those schools and uh, penalties to leave the conference and all that stuff. So I think if you're trying to just do it for a year to get money, your conference is going to say, and I think the Big Ten has also said this to Nebraska, like, hey, look, if you leave, you're gone. We're not going to give you any Big Ten money. We're going to take someone else in after you. You are not welcome. But what does Nebraska care? Why would Nebraska care about that? They're a big enough team that why wouldn't a team like that? Why wouldn't a conference like the Big 12 want to bring them in? What do they care? Well, they left the Big 12 because of the TV money with Texas, because Texas gets like 50 percent sure. of the TV uh, from the uh, the Big 12, and then the rest is paid out to all the other teams because Texas is the big draw there. Like, Texas threatened to go to the SEC. They threatened to go independent. 
uh, to get this deal done with. But aren't Big enough 12. of these colleges worried? Well, aren't the isn't ASU and USC and Stanford? Aren't they worried that you're? I mean, I haven't seen it, but wouldn't guys that want to play that were recruited in like a, like a Midwestern place just say, "Screw this! I I need to play this year. I can't sit out this year." And then these schools are going to lose a bunch of players. And Nebraska at this point, wouldn't they have to weigh like, all right, we want to play. Are we going to weigh what we're going to lose in players and money this season where we can go to another conference over staying in this to get a little bit more money to stay in the Big Ten? NCAA, I think, announced on Wednesday, it was either Tuesday or Wednesday, that uh, the players that are going to miss a season will get another year of eligibility. So they'll, they'll like, they can stay and play. Uh-huh. Yeah, if they want to. And like you said, it doesn't matter for a lot of guys. And there were um, a handful of big time prospects that have already opted out before the schools, you know, uh, decided to, to go away. So Micah Parsons, who is a top five pick, a linebacker out of Penn State, he opted out. Uh, Caleb Fairley, a, a corner who has a first round grade from Virginia. Yeah, Tech. Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore is out. Moore, who's absolutely a first round prospect at this point, opted out. So there's a bunch of big players that are opting out and uh you know on uh I think it was Thursday morning or Wednesday night Ian Rappaport threw out a tweet that said we're expecting a massive amount of opt outs uh and so, players just to get ready for the NFL draft and then the spring season which we haven't even talked about if that happens will be right dead in the middle of when the NFL draft is so you yeah. have players opting out in bowl season they're definitely going to opt out right before the draft you know, so uh, see what what I get I, I get locked with is I think the NFL was ready to pounce to have Saturday games. But if you've got six conferences and you've got up to 80 teams and then you're going to have a handful of other teams that are going to have these one off type of things, you have enough to have a college football season. You're just going to be without some. What I don't understand is it doesn't sound like a the NFL would really come and try to jump on uh, Saturdays because there's enough college football, especially if Big 12 was the big swing. I don't see how the spring league makes any sense because it sounds like there's going to be way less conferences and teams playing in spring brawl in general for it to be an appropriate college season. So if anything, it's just a little bit of extra play, but any guys that are draft eligible would opt out. So I was going to say is ultimately Boggs is your feel that we're going to have for the most part, a regular college football season. And I think the answer is yes. In your eyes, we're going to have college on Saturday and we just, we'll, we'll be without some teams that we're used to like, USC and ASU and stuff like that, but we're going to have a full-fledged college football season and a winner will be announced, it sounds like. I mean, that still remains to be seen because, you know, my whole thing with uh, the colleges playing is that you just, like, we we have a tough time keeping adults who are getting paid millions of dollars to stay within a bubble and not screw everything up for everybody sure. else. Had it with the Cardinals and the Marlins and, uh, the, the Indians pitchers. And, I'm sure it'll go all. great with college students. I'm sure it's going to go exactly. great. Exactly. You know, in, in basketball, you have 15 guys in your team, maybe 20, you know, uh, total on, on your roster plus coaches. So maybe you have 40 people total to organize with your travel, with your coaches and your trainers and your traveling party and all that stuff. In college football, you have a hundred scholarship athletes and you have walk-ons and you have coaches for every posi- position. You have multiple trainers. You have local media people. You have university uh, media people. You have maybe 200 to 250 people per, uh, you know, school pretty much that you have to have accountable uh, accountable for 
everyone involved, and they're all young. You know, they're all uh, fifty five percent of them are young and feel invincible and don't care about. But what's your point? What's your point to this? Is your point like you're starting to say that, and then it's going to all shut down because someone's going to screw this up. There's going to be a giant outbreak. I don't think the protocols are going to be enough. Uh, We see that a lot of colleges are a lot of college. Penn State is asking just straight up students, not student athletes to sign a waiver to come back to, to uh, campus. So I think you're, we're going to get to that point for football. And I think a lot of the kids are going to sign it with no worries and no issue and say, I don't care. Let me play. I just want to play. But I think a lot of kids are going to look at it and go, well, I'm not going to absolve you out of all of the responsibility for this. So college has to take a little bit. Still you know come, what I mean? But I, I guess I still want to push back to you to say, well, what does that matter when there's so many, uh, there's a hundred people on these rosters. If they lost 20% of them, they can still play. They can lose big players to the to opting out and preparing for the draft. They can still play. It feels like, and I, I get your point of saying that it could all fall apart, but at the end of the day, to me, it sounds like there is, in the most works, a normal college football season, minus some teams. They're going to attempt to play on Saturdays. NFL will not intrude. They're going to try to have a normal bull-ish season. And if anything, the spring league, looks like the oddity that I just, I I would imagine it would be better suited to cancel because you're going to have the draft pushing up against it and not enough conferences to make it really seem like anything that makes any sense. So I guess like it sounds to me that it's going to be as normal when it doesn't feel like it's going to be normal. Yeah. Like this could all work out really well for the teams playing now. Like if, if the protocols are met, we're going to have outbreaks, but as long as they're contained and not terrible and don't, burn through an entire team and make them you know shift the whole schedule around and everything then it could work very very well uh so but they're also kind of being the guinea pig so if this all falls apart the spring teams are going to be like well we're going to definitely play in the spring now we know where they screwed up and now we know what to do so then we'll you know people be clamoring for college football at that point and they'll really want it they don't care when it starts and a lot of them are talking about, you know, you think spring and you think, OK, well, they'll start in, you know, March or April. They want to start in like late January. That That's when they want to play these games it yeah. is to, to get done before the draft. So you can get bowl games. What, and that what, I, stuff what I think is interesting about that is I feel like they're in line to have a normal college football season. And if it falls apart and it's a disaster, then they cut it. And the teams that didn't play, they just sit back. The teams that get affected, they cut the football season. They get a two or three month break. Everybody plays spring ball. And then that's a normal college football season. The people at risk, theoretically, are the Pac-12 ones that I think they could get passed by. But I don't expect there to be any NFL on Saturdays, as much as we've been talking about that, simply because college football seems to be coming together. So it's an interesting conversation. All right, we got to go to break. More in this league coming up. Don't go anywhere. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you. 
Because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The snozberries taste like snozberries. I'm freaking out, man. You are freaking out, man. Littering and... Littering and... Um, in this league break it down welcome back friendos this is in this league right here on sports grid the radio edition so different from the podcast edition it's a little bit more right. reverent. a little bit more reverent we get to be uh when we've got three hours of radio going on if you guys want to check out everything else but in this league.com that's our patreon secret joe's comedy li- uh oh no that doesn't work i was gonna have a really good song but then i messed up it was gonna go secret shows live streams ranks and group me secret shows comedy shows fancy yeah, like i can't remember it yeah. i got some other songs too i could i whip out i've been whipping out some songs lately but you know don't want to call i don't want to keep talking about that guy all the time you know <laughs> i'm a creep i'm a widow I always win um a couple things around the nfl tight ends getting paid money and I'm not surprised they got paid together either. Are you really? I almost thought of this because like the Kelsey thing came down kind of maybe I, I felt it was right in front of the deal getting finalized with George Kittle, but I think it might've happened after where Kittle was getting five years, 75 million, 30 million guaranteed. And what was the final total on Kelsey? Did we get, I know they extended him through 2025. It looks like Jeremy Fowler was, it's more than 14 per season. And includes just under 25 guaranteed. So I don't know. What is that? What is uh 14? Well, it's do- not half a billion. It's not what? Half a billion. It's not half a billion. That's true. So you're saying he had the wrong. So 14 times five. What is that? So 70 million, maybe 72 million if it's if it's more than 14 million. And then uh, Kittle got 75 million and he got 30 million guaranteed. So Kittle got more guaranteed. He's younger. And both of those tight ends paid. And it's a pretty interesting testament, I think, to the NFL showing the value positionally where a running back cannot get paid. And then you get two of the best tight ends getting massive amounts of dollars. You would kind of think that maybe a tight end could be viewed as an expendable spot. But George Kittle is not. He's one of the best blockers at his position. He's one of the best receivers at his position. And he's getting paid a lot less than what a top end receiver would do. So. It's pretty awesome. I love the commitment to it. I mean, obviously, I'm a 49er fan, so I love the Kittle one. But uh, Travis Kelsey getting that contract as a 31-year-old, too, is very impressive. Yeah, and yeah, tight end is just such an unbelievably brutal position. I think it's probably number two to running backs as far as uh, guys getting hurt. Because, I mean, you go and you look at just, – just go go to, uh, you know, any, anywhere where you see all of the stats for the tight ends just laid out and look at games played. It's like – couple guys in here will have 16 
there's a lot of 14, there's a lot of 13, there's a lot of 12s because those guys, you know, they, they take the hits over the middle catching the ball. They take the hits against the big, uh, you know, uh, defensive linemen at the line, uh, you know, and they get hit hard by the safeties as well. So they're getting it at all three levels, uh, plus just blocking downfield and stuff. So uh, it's a very, very intense position. But I'm not surprised that both of these guys got their deal done somewhat together. Um, just because if if you're the Chiefs, right, and you just paid Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, he's going to eat up a ton of your cap, and you know that the Niners are getting a deal done with Kittle, you want to then rush to get your de- deal done with Kelsey. So if the Niners give Kittle something ridiculous that, you know, uh, no one expected, you, then you can go, well, now we know that our guy isn't going to be able to ask for that. because that's Yeah, I mean, Kelsey's 31, though. Kelsey wasn't going to be able to get, like, you know, justifiably, they're going to be like, well, listen, this dude is a lot younger than you. We're not going to give you the same amount of money. I think it's, like, a good well, when you heard it with from Kittle, and they said, hey, you know, Kittle's top of the line, and this is what he's getting, so we're not going to offer you more than that. He's younger than you. Maybe that could have been it, too. I so it's just a you know, I that's why I'm not surprised that they signed near each other. I think Kelsey, true. I think Kelsey did a good job as a 31 year old to get signed through being 36 and that type of money. But what I also think it's a good testament to, if you want to have a fantasy spin on it, is how committed these teams obviously are to the position. Because I think people are always always wanting to look at top dogs and you know, especially a tight end, and look and be like, well, you know, it's only a matter of time. You know, like people are doing that with Zach Ertz this year. The guy, the Eagles threw to the tight end more than exponentially more than any other team. It was ridiculous how many targets, like 200 plus targets that went to the tight end, where I think the next team was like a buck 50 or something like that. And people are already playing the card like Zach Ertz is going to fall way off. It's going to fall completely off because it has to. And I think people want to do the same thing with those top end tight ends because we've seen it before. Gronk fell off pretty hard. Jimmy Graham fell off like a ton of bricks. Like a, like a mobster with uh with cement shoes dropping into the ocean. I mean that is it's like all those little you know uh, shoulder ding here and knee ding here you know uh, ribs all that stuff kind of adds up on your wear and tear over the years and those guys burn out and like you said they fall completely off. They're like the yodeler and the Price is Right you know. But Get that was my point up- was. What was like everybody wants to do that. Everyone wants to play that game with these guys. And then you go and see a team make that a five-year commitment on both of these pass-catching tight ends where people maybe want to play that game. And I think it's even more of a testament to the team's commitment to making sure those are top targets on those teams. So George Kittle is the number one receiving option in San Francisco. And, you know, if they would have let him go, it might have showed the expense of what that offense is going to be. Same thing with Kansas City. A 31-year-old tight end they just gave a five-year contract to. That's a, been a lot of money. That is a big statement to what uh, what role he continues to play in the offense. And I think it just helps kind of answer that question where we're all waiting for those guys to uh, topple off a little bit and their value to uh, dis- disappear. And, you know, you and I just so happen in the mock draft that is a drop that already dropped on Friday, the end of this league, it was mock draft 11.0. You and I both made a tight end commitment in a 10-teamer. I took Kittle, you took Kelsey, and they happened to get extensions. So thank you to us, to Kelsey and Kittle, for us drafting them. Um, I think drafting them is really what pushed them over the top. That's what I think. So. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with that. By the way, the Cardinal series uh, canceled on Saturday, as we were saying, hey, they're coming back today. Dylan Carlson is going to have to wait at least another day. They're going to play more double headers. This on the heels, too, of the NFL releasing their first 
their first bit of COVID information. And league-wide, they reported a below 1% positive test rate for COVID. And it's not like, you know, they don't, I don't think they get to go and have a big old celebration or anything like that, nor should they because of, of social distancing. But like, it's a testament to the players taking it seriously, leaning up to camps and not, you know, jacking around. You now have the guys in camp and I think it's a good sign to what they've done for it to be under 1%. Now they're all together, hopefully still abiding by this stuff. The problem is it still only takes one guy to screw the whole process up. But the NFL is coming off of a pretty positive weekend with the camps opening up, hard knocks, and a very, very, very low test rate, positive rate. Yeah, yeah. And that's like you said, you know, we're not doing a victory lap yet because we haven't really got uh, too much into pads and all that stuff. I mean, that stuff. Uh, you know, the, the real, the real, real stuff I believe is starting on Monday. So uh, that that's when we're going to start getting, you know, 11 on 11 drills and that, that kind of thing. And that's when we'll see, you know, because like, that's what happened in the NBA, man, you know, go bear got it. And it spread like wildfire because those guys are sweating and, you know, grabbing on each other and, you know, uh, next Gross. to each other, the whole game. And that's what they do in the NFL as well. So if what, like you said, all it takes is one F up, one guy to screw this all up and uh, ruin it for everybody. But at least it feels like with a test percentage of lower than 1% um, that the majority of these guys realize what have, you know, they realize what happened in the NBA. They saw what happened in major league baseball and they started to take it a little more seriously. And that is to the benefit of the NFL you know, not starting any of their stuff until later in the year because you can kind of sit back and let the NBA be the guinea pig, let Major League Baseball be the guinea pig and see what they're doing wrong so that you can say, okay, well, we're not going to do that. We're going to try to do X, Y, and Z to prevent what happened with those sports. So that's been nice with the NFL, and I I really, really hope we keep it up. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I think everyone has their doubts that we're not going to get something weird go on in the middle of the season but as long as most teams are taking it seriously and most players are taking it seriously i don't see why we shouldn't have a season uh, i that's where i'm at so here's a serious uh, conversation to have and i saw twitter kind of jumping at it towards the back end of the week and it had to do with a popular running back at least um you know at, at least in the like rb2 territory and todd Gurley. todd Gurley's got a new home with the atlanta falcons and there's a report on ESPN from Von McClure. Hi, I'm Von McClure. You remember me? Rem you may remember me from such reports as the Falcons are considering limit to limiting Todd Gurley's workload in training camp, and that's got a lot of people kind of um, kind of getting a little uh, excited because he also and excited in a bad way, by the way, because he also reports that Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrioff not only talked about the camp workload but also the possibility of limiting reps for good for the upcoming season because of injury concerns, which we've all known about. And this is an interesting one from, um, I believe this is from the same same story, and I saw Adam Levitan posted this. And the quote is, during the early phases of the Atlanta Falcons um, acclimation period, Gurley walked with a noticeable limp and wore a compression sock on his left leg. Yet, he showed speed and explosiveness during dr drills. One source familiar with Gurley from his days with the Rams told ESPN that, quote, he can't put his foot in the dirt and go like the old Todd Gurley, but he can still be a productive bat, uh, back. 
And uh, Levitan had posted that his current ADP is 29.5. So Bogman, what this has sparked is a massive, massive debate on Todd Gurley's worth at all this season. And a lot of people washing their hands and wanting nothing to do with Todd Gurley because they think this is going to be a much bigger timeshare than anybody is accounting for. What say it, you? I, I, I don't know, man. Like, this is you, our guy Emery Hunt, who is a big, big uh, draft expert. Uh, you know, wrote up a nice guide this year. You should check out his website, Football Game Plan, if you haven't before. He said uh, a great thing to uh, to Jake, and Jake has passed this this down. Why would you count something twice, right? Like Henry Ruggs going into the combine. This is mainly a thing for the combine, but you know he's fast. So when he runs a fast time, don't go. Oh my God! Wow, he's really fast. I got double jeopardy. Him. Yeah, double fast. jeopardy here. Yeah. So when he runs a fast time, don't be surprised. And we know Todd Gurley's hurt. So when he gets into camp and he's limping, and we're having these reports of we're going to limit his touches, we're going to limit his carries. None of this is surprising to me. So I don't know why we are counting it twice now that it's being reported in the news. This is the same stuff that happened last year, and Todd. Gurley was still very productive last season. So unless it's a new injury that we hear about, like, you know, it was his knee, now it's his knee and his ankle. Okay, now that's something. But if it's the same knee that he's had issues with before, he played on it last year and he was okay, he's just not going to be the number one overall pick again. That's not going to happen. But he can still score a bunch of touchdowns. He can still be in, you know, what Jordan Howard has done for the last five years. I don't know if he's going to do it this year with Miami, but He's a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns and he'll catch what he catches. You know what I mean? So he's a nice RB too. And unless the injury worsens uh, or we hear way more than just, ah, we're planning on limiting his touches. I figured that was going to happen going into the season anyway, because of his knee. It's just always been that way for him. I mean, he passed his physical, so he's got to be in good enough shape to run the ball. And they said he looks good when he's on the field. He's just limping, you know, coming off and all that stuff. And that none of that is really surprising to me. So I think this is just a rehash of news we already knew. Okay. I mean, I, I agree for, I agree with most of that, but like the, the opening statement where you said, like, we knew he he's injured. Like, I don't think that's necessarily, you know, he's had injuries, but I think a lot of people aren't accounting for Todd Gurley being currently injured and will be the injured for the rest of his life. I don't think that's in the account of people's excitement about the Atlanta Falcons. Maybe you are saying that. This is what I should have said. Not injured. We knew he had this knee injury and he's had knee issues. Yeah. So that's why he's hurt right now because he's not, Uh, you know. Well, he's, he's limping he's, around. They said in the walkthroughs, he's already limping around though he's done that for the last two years that was tmz's report last year when they saw him at some club was oh god look todd Gurley's limping and, and uh, all of that stuff and so i think it was a bigger story going into last year because it was the you know he got hurt at the end of 2018 and really didn't look the same you remember that uh the second half of the year he just was not great and then in 2019 he was banged up and they limited him they played henderson they played brown you know th those guys with him and he's still going to be the goal line back for Atlanta, even with, you know, him being kind of a jag at this point. He's still better than a jag, but he's he's just a main back. Let, like, well, let, let me too. OK, last year, 
he had 223 carries with 807 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns, and then he caught 31 balls for 270 yards. So he had about uh, a little over a thousand yards and the least carries he's had ever in his career. And he's always been between the 250, essentially 250 and 270 marker. Two previous years, he had been 12 and 1300 yards. What do you think his projections look like this year? Like I, I want what I'm going to do, and we're going to be going coming up against a break here. So maybe I'm going to tease it going into the next segment here is I've got an older article and it's funny actually, because it's from Jeff Ratcliffe over at pro football focus, who's not there anymore. He's over at uh, fade the noise, but it's an old article of Jeff's projections on Todd Gurley back in April. Now, so you want me to give my projections and then you're going to read off Jeff Ratcliffe? That's what we're going what we're going to do. Like I we'll do that on the other side of the break here. So I want to get your projections and I, and that's why I gave the stats 223 rushing yards in 15 games last year, 857 total yards, was a second career low in yards per rush attempt at 3.8. He's always been in like the high fours and he caught 31 balls for 200 yards, so just over 1000 total yards he had last year while he was very banged up, presumably a little bit better but i want to know what you project him at and then we're going to look at an old projection and then we can see how that compares to maybe a little bit of a reduced role so don't go anywhere more in this league come up SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. In this league. I'm back! Welcome back. Final segment of In This League right here on the Sports Grid with Bogman and Welsh. About two. It's not the final segment of the show. So it's my final segment because Casey Bubba is back on the show. Daddy-o. Daddy-o Bubba uh, with the newborn is uh, coming back. We've had John Lobb. John Lobb pulled his back. That's what we have to look forward to, I guess. That's why I feel like better about not being like older because I don't, <laughs> but I do pull my back. I do pull things, unfortunately. But uh, lob on the IL and uh, Bubba back in. So, as they truly say, Bogman, you're not going to lose your spot due to injury. You're going to keep your closer role uh, regardless of injury. So, Bubba is the role as Chapman back in that closer role. 
Yeah, yeah. I hit him up uh, when when Lob, uh, because I do on campus with Lob, and we couldn't do that this week. It was kind of a nice week to not do. It was like all, a COVID all. week? Just everybody going on the COVID list? What's going on? Well, I, he, he pulled his back, so we're not going to do that show. And then, you know, moving things around, I had to move Gary back, and then also he canceled IDP, so... You know, um, I'm out. I'm out the money for those shows this week, I guess. So it's, a new, kinda... it's, it's a new world of, of uh, missing the podcast due to a back strain. Like right. Well, I don't know if you've ever had that stuff and I've never had back issues, but I hear they are just unbelievably crippling. Like you can't get out of bed. Yeah, I've had a know. couple. I've had a couple. It's It can be brutal, man. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so I don't know. And John did say. This isn't like a chronic recurring thing for him. This is the first time it's ever happened to him. So, uh, but he said he's never been in this much pain before. Was his tweet or text me? So that's that's pretty terrible. What are you and Bubba going to talk about? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about college football, but a lot is going to be catching up. You know, catching up with with Bubba and seeing you know rants. Uh, just be like, what are you mad about right now? Right, right. Uh, yeah, just what is he feeling on uh, the early season? Uh, so far and you know we haven't talked about him since all the breakouts have happened and all that stuff so i think it's been about a month without bubba so would you uh, say you're going to talk about stuff of that nature stuff and things of that Ah, nature okay all right excellent uh when we went to break by the way we were talking about todd Gurley forever because the it's just being reported that the falcons are going to potentially look at um minimalizing the role or just making sure he's not a foco, which it's not the worst idea in the world, especially if you want to be a contender Gurley at this point, it doesn't look like a, a full on full on workhorse. Yeah. But you know that I think that's put in question and, and projections can kind of be all over the board. He had his lowest carries last year. He's always been a 200 carry guy, but you bring him in and what is it to be? Is it to be a 250 carry back and 40 or 50 catches? So you're close to 300 touch guy. Or is it to just try to burst mode? Essentially, what Raheem Mostert is for the 49ers. My only problem with that, where people talk about that, is the roster. I just don't look at, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I just don't look at Ito Smith and Quadri Olison as like these fantastic other options. If, if they had another guy, then maybe I'd be like, yeah, it makes sense. But I don't think any of those guys are players that you build a secondary back around. Now, Edo Smith is fine. Like, he's a fine backup. He's okay. You know what I mean? Like, he's not a guy that you want running in tandem. You know, this obviously is not Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt or anything. But, uh, you know, it's Edo Smith is capable, I would say. Yeah. But um, so uh, I, I don't. I didn't look at Ratcliffe's line. You wanted me to give my my line for him. Yeah, yeah. Right? So what we're gonna do here is I want, like I, I told you before, 223 carries last year in 15 games, 857 yards, lowest rushing total of his career, a second lowest yards per rushing attempt, second lowest yards per game rushing at 57, and he was targeted 49 times in the past game, which was the second lowest since his rookie year, and he caught 31 balls for 200 yards. So he wasn't really a big force in the catch game like he usually is. Lowest, lowest catch percentage of his career at 63%. Even in his rookie year, where he was only targeted 26 times, he had an 80% catch rate. So just everything was kind of going wrong for him. So the idea is, what does Bogman project uh, for Todd Gurley this year? And I'll even accept after your projection what you think Ratcliffe might be projecting in this older article. Okay. Um, okay. Well, let's so, start with your projection for this season of Todd Gurley. After they talked about limiting him a little bit, 
I'm going to say 185 carries. And uh, so I'm going to give him below 200 carries, and that would be the lowest of his career, right? That'd be the lowest of his career, yes. We're going to give him uh, 850 yards uh, rushing. Uh, but I think he's going to go up on those catches because Atlanta's defense is so bad. He'll be playing catch up a bunch. So I'm going to give him uh, what's his career high catches? Career high catches. Let me go back to it. I just went away from it for a minute. He caught um, he caught 64 in 2017. He was targeted 87 times. Okay, uh, we're gonna give him uh, we're gonna give him 48 catches, and let's go. You know, 400 yards on that. So let's give him 1,200 yards. Let's give him uh, 10 touchdowns total. However, that's right. split six to four, seven and three, something like that. Okay, so running it back, what'd you say? 180 carries, 850 yards, then 48 catches for another 400 something yards. Yeah, yeah. So about 1,200 total yards, 48 catches, 10 touchdowns, yeah. and that would be. I mean, last year he had 12. He's only had 10 rushing touchdowns. It's the second lowest total of his career. He had six in 2016, 10 in his rookie year, and then 13, 17, and 12 the last three years. So last year he had a total of 14 touchdowns, 21 the year before that, and 19 the year before that. So that's pretty dramatically down and the touches are lower. And yeah. what is that for That's you? What, where do you have him at running back? Uh, I got him as an RB two. Well, but I mean, I was more specific. Like yeah, you have him at like, I have a, I don't have the list. Overall. Pull that up. Pull that up. I want to know where you have him because like I, you made up for it in yards, 1200 total yards. Pretty good touchdowns. That's pretty solid. I'm just curious. Is that a true, is that a true back end RB two? And is yeah. it, lot of touchdowns for a running yeah. back. Yeah. Most running backs don't have 12 touchdowns. You know give me where I mean? you give me where you have him. Uh I have got Todd Gurley at RB18. Who's below him? Uh Chris Carson, uh Mark Ingram, Montgomery, Mostert, uh Taylor Hunt, those guys. Connor. Um I feel like based on your projections, I'd want him much lower cuz I think the upside if you're, you you to me, it's heavily weighted on him getting those touchdowns with a lot less carries and a lot less touches than he's used to. I think he, like, I don't see the, where the upside is on him. He has a lot to work for to get to those projections, unless it's a super, super um, conservative projection. This is where hole poking comes in for these backs. And you can lump uh, Todd Gurley in with these. These are kind of unpredictable backs, all the guys that I have below him too, because you have Gurley with the knee issues, right? Uh, you have Chris Carson with the hip. Maybe I could put Carson ahead of, of Gurley. Then I have Mark Ingram below him who has, uh, you know, maybe some playing time stuff with Dobbins plus Lamar loves to run the ball. Then I've got injury guys behind him in Connor and David Johnson. Kareem Hunt has a split role with Chubb. Mostert has a split role that you, you say I'm too high on Mostert. So, Coleman and McKinnon are still there. And then Dave Montgomery and the offense was terrible in Chicago last year. So everyone in this group has issues, which is what makes running back so bad. Yeah. No one you can, you can put poke these holes on pretty much everybody, but that's why I have him because I think, like you said, they have special teams guys behind him. It's Edo Smith. Who's a decent backup. Quadre Allison and uh, Olamide Zacchaeus who played a little running back at Virginia. These are special teams dudes more than anything. So they don't have much behind them. They need to sign someone. I I, I guess what, what I'm like getting at, what I'm building to, and then we'll get to the rest of the projections is 
if like the James Car- or the Chris Carson one's interesting just because of like injury stuff. If you've got this big clump of, you know, of these whole poking, like you're saying, you got guys like Todd Gurley and you, you got Mark Ingram and whatnot that if you're concerned and maybe you should be a little bit more concerned, you know, we've been more flipping about Todd Gurley to be like, look, he's the, you know, he's the big main back. But if you, if you've got this stuff leaking and you've got this stuff popping out there, what is the upside even if you value him and you say, hey, it's in this clump of all these guys and taking any of these players and not focusing on the upside. Why, why take Todd Gurley when if you could wait five or six more backs and get Jonathan Taylor, who has more upside? David Montgomery at this point might be a better upside play because he was so bad. He's still the feature back in another year in the offense. You might be better suited in playing the upside of a DeAndre Swift, a David Montgomery or a James Taylor or Jonathan Taylor than playing this risk game of, well, it's all these po- uh, hole pokers, so I got to just pick one of them. Why? Right. They, like they're they're more prone to disappoint you this season, and and I'm I'm concerned about Gurley gimping around and them allowing this leak out there that they would start limiting him in the offense. So my thing w- with Gurley and the hole poking and all that stuff is, yes, those guys absolutely have tons of upside, but I think Gurley has touchdown upside, and I think he always is going to. And Atlanta uh, is going to have to play catch up. Their defense is horrific it's real bad they got a lot of young players on that team too so that's going to lead to more touchdown opportunities for Gurley. he's not going to get it yeah. yards i know that but would i be surprised to see Gurley run for 14 scores this year and maybe catch five no uh he could do that all with a thousand yards total and i wouldn't be shocked yeah. so the the upside for Gurley is scoring and i don't think david montgomery has that because his offense blows taylor might uh, and, and you, you know, you can be more dicey with the rookies, which is why I think Todd Gurley was on the board when we took Taylor and Superflex, and that's why I also no, didn't he wasn't. Hesitate. He wasn't okay. Well, we would have taken Gurley. Well, even yeah, if he was, um, uh, I didn't hesitate when uh, I knew you wanted to take the swing on the upside of Taylor. I was like, let's do it then. Yeah. That's fine. Well, technically, so, I wanted to go Melvin Gordon and come back to Taylor, but you wanted Levell, so that. But yeah. still, to the point, as you know, where I, it, it was a compromise to get Lev. Exactly. And and I think that as long as, uh, you know, we know Todd Gurley has this knee issue. We know he's been limping for two years now. So he's going to keep limping uh, when we see him, you know, uh, play on the field. As long as his production is fine and they're not talking about sitting him for a week or two to get him back or anything like that, uh, then I'm okay with it because I know what he has. He's still an upside volume play. There's no one behind him, and that offense is really, really good. So I think there is upside. It's just in scoring, it is not going to be in yards. Yeah, I mean, they like to pass the ball, and and I'm actually with you on the – High floor, too. High floor, too. I'm not going to even have you guess on the projections because yours were pretty solid here. Um, I have – so I have two here I pulled up. I do have the consensus Fantasy Pros projections, just as a more, like, recent thing I wanted to pick. But then I've got this pro football – focus article from someone that's not there anymore jeff ratcliffe from april 1st on their projections of todd Gurley because i thought it would be a little bit more appropriate so todd Gurley's projections as of april 1st on pro football focus 201 carries so that's a bit more than you mm-hmm. but 845 yards so you you nailed the yards but it's less explosive it's in more carries now okay. the catch is you are in sync with pro football focus they have him getting 45 catches for oh, wow. 347 yards and two touchdowns, nine rushing. So you have 11 total touchdowns. You've got 
uh, just under 1,200 yards with 45 catches. So, I mean, you know, just how in many, your I'm brain, sorry, how many touchdowns did you say? 11, nine rushing, 11. two receiving. So, I mean, just in your brain, you almost nailed exactly the Jeff Ratcliffe projections. And it's funny because, you know, going through the motions here, it is an RB2. 10 to 11 touchdowns, 1,200 yards. Now, people might start to pair back. And the problem is the explosiveness. If you if you did have, and I think this is the worry, if you did have 175 or 80 carries, 180 carries, it might not be even 800 yards. And it might limit some of the possibilities. Now, the new projections, they're really not that much different. The Fantasy Pros ones, 206 rushing attempts, 866 rushing yards. They've got 43 catches, 342 receiving, and about nine, just under 10 touchdowns. So it's, it's almost the Man. exact same thing. So universally, as people pound on um, going anti-Todd Gurley, everything has been 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns, and 45 catches. Now, if we're talking... I thought I was being kind of Pollyanna on him, too. I thought I was, you know... I, I thought just that this the floor is so high for him I thought that I was going a little bit lower. Uh, I knew I was going to be high on the catches, but uh, not by much no, at all. Not by much. You were right in range. I would. I still am going to hold to this. Like I'm still going to draft Todd Gurley because what I and this would be a big point is I think you could take 10 percent off. You know what does that mean? What they're saying like might limit a little bit. Okay, but that might be between. You know he's not a 25 carry back, and if he gets 18 carries, you're going to be well on your way to 200 plus carries, and he's going to catch the ball a whole lot in this offense. So even if you take 10% off of that production, what have you gotten down to? You've gotten down to maybe 1,100, a little over 1,000 yards. You still got your 9 to 10 touchdowns. You're still getting probably close to 40 catches. Or I mean, if you're 48, 10% off, you still are. You're still getting those numbers with a 10% reduction. So how much does this like limiting him in the offense really take off of him? But I hold to the other side, Boggs, that when you're in that range and you're deciding between the Melvin Gordons and the Todd Gurley's, maybe Mark Ingram is in that area, that if you have reservations that play the upside, David Montgomery has upside. Um, Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift, it might be a little bit weird, but there's still more upside on it that maybe those guys like Gordon and Gurley, they need to hit that maximum projection to hit those numbers, which aren't fantastic. Where the others don't, it's your decision on what side you play. But to be like, I'm not drafting Todd Gurley at all because they say they're going to limit a little bit. Right. It's it's silly. It's kind of yeah. silly. I honestly think it's counting it twice. Now, I have buried Todd Gurley in my dynasty rankings. I don't want any part of him because at some point, the knee's going to hurt too bad to get him on the field. Sure. And, and that's going to come probably within the next season or two. So I I understand people not wanting to, to take him. And, you know, we see a lot of that in these articles that have come out recently is, you know, that was part of the... Um, uh, the fantasy pros article we read off last week was uh, being uh, just being positive about injury news or being, you know, just trying to ignore it is one of the things that they listed as a fault in your draft habit. So I get it. Like you don't want to take the upside at all. And normally I'm that guy that doesn't like to take injury guys. I've kind of uh, peeled that back over the last couple of years, but um, I think he's going to be okay. I have no problem drafting him this season at all. Well, it'll be a good discussion we'll have probably coming up this week on the ITL Fantasy Football Podcast even more as camps are getting get going down. We're getting more player news and uh, more rumors swirling around. Finally, some football stuff to get people jamming. Hey, it's the end of Hour 2. I am out of here, but Bubba is tagging in, so don't you go anywhere. Don't you go anywhere. Anywhere. Hey, this is why I got to leave. Anywhere. <laughs> hour 3 coming up. You heard me?
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360. 